So I want to talk about grammar today. And I know that's terribly exciting. You're so glad that you tuned in to hear somebody talk about grammar. Now I'm kidding because that's like the least favorite subject for people. I'm not going to talk a lot about grammar itself, but I'm going to talk about the grammar of faith. Because I think there is a grammar to our faith. And I think at this season that we are all in together, we need to understand this idea of a grammar of faith to help us express ourselves. So let's, see, let's look at uh, what, is, what is grammar. It's a coherent structure that allows us to communicate effectively. It's a coherent structure and that we, we understand. You, you know grammar even if you don't know grammar like because you picked it up, how to speak. It's how you know that Yoda talks funny when he says, failure the greatest teacher is. And you're like, that's wrong. That's not how you're supposed to say that because you understand grammar in your head. Right? So if it's a coherent structure that allows for effective communication. And if you don't have it, it's difficult to communicate. And I've been thinking a lot about that, about how important that is. Because it turns out grammar actually matters. So we know that Jeff loves to show us those bulletin bloopers where uh, actual church bulletins where things are written that end up being funny. But really it's because of a mistake in the grammar. So I have in honor of my friend Jeff, I have a few of them for your entertainment. So here is the real bulletin blooper. The Reverend Merriweather spoke briefly, much to the delight of the audience. See, now that's not what they meant. That's not, I'm sure that's not what they meant, but that's how that came out. So there's, you know, grammar matters. How about this one? The pastor will preach his farewell sermon, his farewell message, after which the choir will sing, Break Forth Into Joy. See, I, that's not what I'm sure that's not what was intended, but you know, you change words around and that's what comes out. One more in honor of the Trinity. We'll do three. During the absence of our pastor, we enjoyed the rare privilege of hearing a good sermon when J.F. Stubbs supplied our pulpit. Once again, not what was intended, but what came out. Because grammar matters. It turns out that we, just as there are parts of speeches, uh, sentences, and you put them in the right place and it works. Well, I think this is also true of the Christian faith. There's a grammar to the Christian faith, meaning there is a coherent structure in which to communicate what we want to say. You know, I, I said a few weeks ago in my sermon, I quoted Shakespeare, who in King Lear said, the weight of this sad time we must obey. Speak what we feel, not what we ought to say. I think that's really important right now because as someone in a pastoral role and are trying to be helpful to people and listening, and I know Jeff feels the same way, uh, we're picking up some vibes that people don't know how to voice what they're feeling right now. And that's, that's a struggle. I had a, a Zoom class with eight of my undergraduate students, and I said, let's just take 10 minutes and everybody share like, how you're feeling. And all eight of them had different feelings. I'm really angry, I'm really bored, I'm really upset, I'm really anxious, I'm really afraid. All of these feelings, and you know, it's hard for us to express them. And one of the things I've, I've noticed is that I think quite often we are ashamed of that, right? And there's a kind of even a Christian teaching that, well, you, know, you shouldn't feel afraid or anxious, or whatever, because you're a Christian and you believe in God and trust in God, so you shouldn't feel that. And I, I want to say, don't be ashamed of it. And in fact, one of my hopes in this sermon is that you will feel some freedom 
to express your feelings in honesty because it's actually very biblical. Let me explain. There are three main types of psalms. Um, and psalms are songs, and they're also prayers. But it, they're broken down into, into three main categories. So praise, lament, and thanksgiving. You can kind of put the, the psalms into one of these categories. Psalms that are praising God, we praise you, God, like the Psalm 100. Um, psalms of lament, like where are you, God? And then psalms of thanksgiving, you just talking about all the things for which you give thanks. So just like there's three parts to a sentence, subject, verb, object, these are different kinds of um, psalms or prayers that we have that we lift up to God. And that's important. Now here's the interesting question. How, what percentage of the psalms are lament? That's, that's the ones that cry out in anguish, where are you, God? What percentage? Here's the thing. 70%. The psalms are full of these crying out to God like, where are you now, Lord? In, in anguish and agony and despair. That's a fascinating thing, particularly when you put it in light of this. Because another question is, what, what is the percentage of contemporary praise songs that are lament? Well, one guy did a study of it, and it turns out zero. Of the 150 top contemporary praise songs, none of them are laments would fit into the category of that. Now, I'm not being critical of contemporary praise music by saying that. I'm, I'm just saying, I think there's a reason, and I think it's because we're afraid to be real with God. I think we've been taught that, that we, we just shouldn't feel this way, uh, that's, that's unchristian, uh, whatever it is. So that's just, we don't want that. And I think it's an example that we've been told that these feelings aren't what we should be feeling. And so here's what I want to say to that. Don't should on your feelings. Got to be careful how I say that one. <laughs> don't, don't should on your feelings. Or repress them. A lot of pushing it down right now. Or even judging them. That's kind of my own thing that I've noticed about myself is that I'll feel a feeling and then I'll go, hmm, is that the exact right feeling I should feel now? I should be more sad. I should be less sad. I should be happy. You know. So that's, I kind of do this third one. But I'm working on not doing that in this season. I'm not doing that. So that's why I think psalms of lament are really important in the season that we find ourselves. This is what Christina Fox writes. The psalms of lament share a common structure and pattern. Nearly all the laments move from the negative to positive, from sorrow to joy, and from fear to trust. The laments represent the journey of the soul. So even within the laments, there's a grammar, there's a pattern a cohesive pattern that kind of works. And so I want to explain what that looks like. So it looks like this. In a typical psalm of lament, and remember, there's a lot of them, but in a typical psalm of lament, the first thing is crying out to God. Where are you? Oh God, how long? This kind of crying out. And one of the things I love about them is they don't clean it up. They don't, you know, sanitize it. And well, Lord, we're wondering where you are. It's like, Ah! This cry. That is what is the person's feeling. The second part is asking God for help. Typically in the lament, you cry out, but then you say, help. You know, help me. In, in a sense, begging for relief. And then the third part of these psalms of lament are responding with trust and praise. And it's not being Pollyanna, like, oh, now let's just turn it on, top, on its head. 
there's a reason for it. And the reason is, remember what God has done in the past. That's where the psalmist almost always comes back to. The, there's the crying out, the pleading for help, and then there's this sense, you've been with us, God, and we will praise you. So there's a perfect example of this in, in Psalm 13. And it's a, it's a short psalm. It's only six verses. But I want to look at it to explain. And I think as we look at Psalm 13, you might pick up some of the feelings that we feel now. They're expressing them. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? There are many people right now, and that is what's going on in their heart. How long? Lord, where are you? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I bear pain in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all day long? Do you feel that way? I know I do. I have to limit myself from watching a lot of the news because it just pushes this more into the foreground. Consider and answer me. See, there's the, the plea for help. Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have prevailed. My foes will rejoice because I am shaken. But, here it comes, but I trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord. Why? Because He has dealt bountifully with me. Do you see, do you see the grammar within it? The structure? There's, it's, it's allowing us to cry out and yet it's also acknowledging that we do have trust in God. I had uh, Dr. Bill Galtier on the Things of a Podcast this week, and I encourage you to listen to it, um, not so I'll get more downloads on my podcast, but because he said some really helpful things, really good things in this season. And this is what uh, he said. This is a direct quote from the, from the podcast. He said, The Psalms of Lament articulate the range of human emotions. They help us to accept them, and they help us to pray that emotion in a way that integrates faith and trust. He's saying a lot here. They articulate the range of emotions. Remember my students saying, I feel this, I feel this. The Psalms of Lament articulate the range of all the things we're feeling. They help us to accept them. I mean, it's in the Bible, right? We, this has got, it's got to be acceptable. And they help us to pray that emotion in a way that integrates. So now I can take the, the sorrow, the anguish, and see it in another light. I think that's really quite beautiful. Well, it's Palm Sunday. And it's such an important day for us in, in the year because it's the beginning of Holy Week, and we celebrate that. And you know, I think there's a grammar to Holy Week. I think there's a kind of lament that happens. He rides into the praises on Palm Sunday, Hosanna in the highest! But... By Thursday, he's in the garden in agony. And Dr. Luke, as Jeff likes to call him, the physician even says he's sweat blood. Talk about anguish. He's betrayed, he's beaten, he's crucified, and yet he trusts in the Father all the way. So you can say in a sense, Jesus is the grammar of our faith. Because the second member of the Trinity, fully God, fully human, expresses everything we're talking about. He cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Many people are crying out that way right now. Jesus asked for mercy. Let this cup pass for me. Please, help. He responded with thanksgiving. I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. 
And he also prayed with trust. Into your hands I commend my spirit. See, Jesus lived in surrender. He exemplified humility. And of course, you may remember it was a year ago I gave my donkey Sunday sermon. And I like that dude. I just like, But the humility of that act, to not come in on the white horse with a victory, but to come in lowly. You see, that, that's, that's a part of what lament is about. It's, it, it's the humility that's developed in us in a season like this. And it can be good for our soul. So we remember that on this season. I want to close with three spiritual practices that I think will be helpful in this season. And the first one is to pray the Psalms of Lament. In fact, I'd encourage you to memorize Psalm 13. It's only six verses. But the structure, when you memorize a passage, the structure, the pattern, the grammar actually gets in you. And so you can feel okay to cry out, How long, O Lord? How long am I going to suffer? Help me. And yet in the end, I will trust you. I will sing. I will sing. So I would encourage you to do that. Also, have soul talks with people. Share what you're feeling. Don't do the, the should, I shouldn't or shouldn't. Talk with people. Say, how are you feeling? And really listen, empathize. This is a season for empathy. And then the third thing is to give thanks daily. Give thanks daily. Um, that's a practice I've done for a long time. I have a gratitude tray with these little fava beans and you hold them up and give thanks for something and move it. I also write them down. But I had a, a thing happen to me this past week that really stopped me in my tracks. And I, I reached for my gratitude journal, this daily gratitude journal. And it struck me that, that uh, this was given to me three years ago by Dee Swafford. And um, she's, she always called me her, her teacher. And she said, teacher, I got a gift for you. You taught me how to, to uh, give thanks and uh, use a gratitude journal. I want to give this to you. And so it was just interesting to just thumb through and read the things you know, that I've written um, over, the, over the last several days and, and weeks and months. And it's really, it's a staggering thing to, to see that. But many of you know Dee passed in this season and we couldn't even have a, a funeral for her uh, that we would have wanted to have. Um, but I think about that, that that's so important to give thanks. And I, I spent some time just giving thanks for her, for who she was and, and how she always lifted me up every time I saw her. We give thanks for so many things. Why? Because we remember what God has done and is doing, and that helps us have faith in what God will do. Just like the Psalm of Lament. That's a part of it. So I encourage you in this season to lean into this because these practices have been helpful to me and I think they'll be helpful to you. It's a time to speak what we feel, not what we ought to say. And thanks be to God, the Scriptures teach us how to do that and that we can and should do that. Amen. Amen. I invite you now to, to get your communion elements ready. Jeff's going to lead us through communion. And use the next few moments. There's going to be some music just to meditate and reflect on anything that we've said or what you hear God calling you to do in this time.